Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm your host, I'm Fergus. I've just had dinner and uh, I've just seen a site that nearly made my dinner uh, return up. We'll talk about it in a second. You are watching Guns and Yellow Ribbons. We're going to look back at the Lisbon game and we're also going to look back at that fantastic result at Craven Cottage on Sunday. Joined as usual by old man Hilsey. Thankfully, he's got his top buttoned up. And uh, Capodan and Danish schooner Alex. Guys, welcome to the show. Uh, Dan, that was that was a sight for sore eyes, wasn't it? Honestly, just just before we come on, Trev said, "Don't make me stand up. I've got no bottoms on." And then the next thing he does is he goes like that and he opens up his top. It, honestly, for a second there behind closed doors, fully nude, fully nude, Trev. And and for a young man, uh, Alex, you're a mute, but like you know, that that must be you've probably never seen something as wrinkled as that before, have you? Scary, scary side. I've never seen seen so much chest hair before. <laughs> <laughs> Trev, you got us talking already. You got us talking. Alan's in the chat. How, how, how you doing, Trev? You all right, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I've I've just walked in from work. I've been at work, so I've done no prep for this tonight. But then I normally leave that to you, boys, anyway, because you're so good at it. Um, looking forward to it. It's been a great week, hasn't it, for the Arsenal? We've uh, we've had a great away trip to Europe, and we've gone to Fulham and absolutely demolished them. I, I don't care what anyone says about the second half we just we just played the game second half but we were it was men v boys we were so good we were so good mm. and I called the score right there you go you did and, and I think Alex has got two right in a row uh, but we'll talk about that before we go into it <clears throat> I want to wish um, from um, the Gouda podcast our good friend Magic Mike Mike Fernberg a happy 50th birthday um, uh, all the best to you, Mike. Um, I'd also like to reach out to another fellow podcaster of ours, uh, Danny from a Burkamp Wonderland. Uh, he's not doing podcasts at the moment. He's got some stuff going on at home. But we just want to say from Guns and Yellow Ribbons, uh, we're thinking of you, mate, and we got you back. Uh, Trev, um, I know you had some other news as well that you want to wish. Yeah. Um, happy birthday, Mike. I hope you've had a great day. Um, Danny, I hope you're all right, mate. And then we just got to pass on our condolences to Terry and Becky, who's a... A good mate of ours and a good mate of the show. Um, they've had a, a bit of a bit of heartbreak this week, but uh, hopefully they'll be all right. But our thoughts are with all of them. Thoughts are with all of them. Yeah, indeed. Uh, guys, we'll go on to the Lisbon game. We, we won't spend a huge amount of time on that because it was, you know, at least 50 pints ago uh, for you, Dan and Trev. And um, your livers are probably just recovering. Uh, I know to see Dan on Sunday, even he, he did get his fighting boots back on again. But at the start, I, he really did struggle to try and get that first couple of pints down. It was it was, it was quite funny to see him in the eight bells. Um, but the lineups, uh, we had six changes in the lineup, Alex. We had um, a start for Nelson, a start for Kivyar, um, Martinelli as a centre forward and Granit Xhaka as captain. Um, what did you make of six changes, though, um, Alex? What, did that concern you? Uh, I wouldn't say it concerned me. Like it was a, a lot of changes, but I still thought it was a strong lineup, um, and I was quite excited to see Kivio play his first game. Um, but I think it's clear when you change so many players, it takes some time. Uh, takes some time for the players to adapt and you know to find the relations between the the players. And I think you could see that as well. They. They struggled a bit in the in the beginning of the match, um, just finding finding the relations uh, with each other. So, um, but yeah, I was confident when I saw the lineup. I thought it was uh, expected to see some changes because 
we play the same players pretty much every week in, week out. So some of our players definitely needed some some rest. And then we had, of course, some injuries and some of the the guys with, were out with illness as well, Tierney and Odegaard. Mm. And Trossard mm. was out as well. Guys, uh, Trev, uh, Dan, we done a, a podcast which was a challenge and a half uh, on Thursday night with you guys. Uh, it seemed like um, you were difficult. It seemed though. like the, the atmosphere among difficult. the. Uh, sorry, you were very difficult. Honestly, me and Trev, hard work for us putting up with you. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, um, the mute button has never been used so much in this life before. Uh, but it seemed like it was just an all round good atmosphere out there, Trev. Uh, Edu mixing with the fans. Um, a good away contingency, although some didn't get out there. And then you got uh, our um, Lyle, and you just see there about halfway up, you can see a flag on his shoulders. You can see uh, Capo Dan uh, in the crowds. Trev, talk to us about the atmosphere in the stadium as well, and then we'll go into the game a little bit more. I know um, I thought we jumped ahead a little bit with the with the lineups with um, with Alex, but from what I saw on telly, it was very, very empty from the sporting side, and it wasn't a great atmosphere. It was... It, it was it was very strange, Fergus. The last time we went to to play at Sporting, it was a full stadium, and uh, th- they were very noisy, very noisy. Didn't give us a chance to be heard, really. In fairness, um, but this time it appears that some of their loyal fans, they called the ultras and whoever else, have had a falling out with the owner, and they 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 they're not going to the games. And there was only, I think, 36,000 in the stadium, which holds over 50,000. So it was quite empty. Um, there was a few empty seats in the Arsenal, win, like you've just said, Fergus, because uh, quite a few people didn't get there. And, and I still think there was quite a few people bought tickets for the points and, and didn't go. Um, but at the end of the day, I thought that the Arsenal fans made a lot of noise. They made themselves heard most of the night. It was a, it was a jovial atmosphere amongst the Arsenal fans. I didn't hear one Arsenal fan say he had a problem with the selection of the Arsenal team. I thought, and I, I agree with that. I think it was all right. I think, I think you know, we're getting, we've got 11 cup finals to go, you know. So we've got to think about both tournaments. And I was absolutely happy with the selection. And at the end of the day, I was all right with the result. result. I was all right with the result. I think we bring them back to the Emirates now and we play our game. So, yeah, I wasn't unhappy at all, mate. Dan, your, your thoughts um, are like with the atmosphere and everything else, yourself and Lyle and those appeared on telly. Um, not the only one to appear on telly, as we know, but um, uh, it was good to get get the face on telly again. And what, what what was the atmosphere like? You were down quite at the front, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, to be fair, the atmosphere throughout the whole trip while we was there was very good. And, you know, when we joined up the rest of them in the uh, in the square beforehand and good atmosphere as you, you'd expect on the sort of European aways. And then, I got in the stadium. I must admit, I thought it felt a bit flat compared to normal. Um, certainly wasn't quiet by any means. And, you know, the fans were still singing and, and enjoying the, the day out. But um, certainly one of the best things at times of a European away is some of their fans are very good. That's a car outside. Sorry about that. Welcome to Essex. Um, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Basel. Uh, no, no, you're not Basel. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Could have, might have sounded like. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a 12-year-old probably somewhere driving around in a car that he's just nicked to his dad, but never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was um, good a good atmosphere um, in, in and around the place, to be honest. But yeah, one of the best things of a European away that I think we missed is you get the fans of the opposition team that are just a different calibre of, of fan than you, that you often get in the UK. Hmm. And then, uh, of course, we had 
Um, old Trevor out there giving it giving it all that. I thought he was trying to do the you know the um, the Arteta, but he's not. What what's this one then, Trevor? If it's not the Arteta, what is it? Yeah, I'll take yourself off mute. I have to do it once a week to annoy you. Um, okay. That was that was post the VAR review for for our goal. And the, the Lisbon fans have been giving us a bit. So we were looking at the Lisbon fans giving the old fancy dancing back. Well, I shouldn't be doing it at 60 years old, but it was bloody good. <laughs> right, listen, we talked about the squad. The squad was Turner and Goal, who will be a talking point. Um, what, uh, White, Saliba, Kivior, um, Zinchenko, Jorginho, Shaka, Vieira, Saka, Nelson, Martinelli. Um, from the midfield up, I didn't really have an issue with it, even White and Saliba. I was interested, as you said, Alex, in seeing how KVR would perform. As you know, I have uh, maintained the whole way along. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Turner, and we'll we'll look at some of the, some of the, the stuff around Turner. Uh, the first goal uh, came from Saliba from a set piece. Um, I'm going to turn the sound down because uh, there are only short clips. Dan, do you want to talk me through um, this first clip? Then um, it'll only, it's only a couple of seconds. You can talk me through what you thought of the goal. I think the first thing is it's quite nice to see a scoring goal from set pieces because um, we've now got some some decent headers of the ball in the in the team and you know Gabriel is very capable of scoring goals Saliba's very capable of scoring goals um, I still also think Ben White can be um, I don't think he's obviously he's only had had one goal for us but he could be a source of goals I think he's he's not too bad in the air and same as Tommy so we've finally got some players that can that can actually go and compete against some taller sides. Um, we just need to clean up a little bit of the back, I think, don't we? But yeah, it's good to, good to see Saliba getting a goal. When was the last time he got a goal, Saliba? Was it the Bournemouth game? I think it's probably a second or third goal for the, the Brent, club. I don't Brent think he's got many. He's got three. He's got yeah, three. Bournemouth and then Sporting. I can't remember the other one. Yeah, was it was it Brentford? Yeah, he scored against Brentford, a uh, header as well. Haven't yeah. him and Gabriel both got three, or am I missing a trick there somewhere? There was a stat somebody sent to me. Um, uh, something to do with Gabriel. I can't remember. Was it like 10 goals no. in three seasons or something for Gabriel? Yeah, 10 goals in three seasons. Gabriel's got 10 goals in three seasons. I think, isn't he one of the first defenders? Yeah, uh, the only defender that. in the Premier League. Yeah. yeah. So, well, again, we had, what we did you say? Before, didn't we? I think it was, was it with you, Trev, I think, out in, in Sporting, where we said about defenders scoring goals. And we've not always been blessed with it. We had like the likes of Vermaelen could get some goals. Um, Koshel, when he popped up a couple every now and again, but. There wasn't that many from the likes of Mertesacker or, you know, um, the other Gabriel at centre-half before. Well, I recall a conversation with Trev, and I know we're probably going off script, but this is what it is, is the chat. I recall a conversation with Trev when I think it might have been Gabriel that scored a goal and he got up in a big tall man and he said, Stevie Bold and Tony Adams, Trev. Do you remember you had that conversation? He used to get yeah. goals like that all the time and, yeah. and you know, get, I, get us out of trouble. I think that with the set-piece coach now and with, with Gabriel and Saliba building a partnership now, over half, well, three quarters of the season almost. That they, they they are going to get some goals, and it, you can you you can relate it in a certain way to Bolden Adams because Bolden Adams used to pop up and score the odd goal more than the odd goal between them, you know. And uh, it was very important part of of a winning side. And Gabriel and Saliba, I'm sure, are becoming that, you know. So I'm over the moon with everything about our side at the moment. I, it's I just can't find anything to to not like about Arsenal Football Club at the moment. It's great, isn't it? Mm. Alex, um, we're going to go on to goal number two. So we're 33 minutes into the into the uh, the half. Um, 
this is uh, a set piece uh, that we're conceded, we're conceded from. Um, and I'll, listen, I've got to press play. You just uh, let me turn off the audio um, and uh, talk me through it. Yeah, I mean, like it's a very similar goal to the one we just scored against them. Um, but yeah, I think you can point your fingers at a couple of things. Both maybe Turner should have got out for the for the ball and you see Kivior, like he's stuck in the ball as well. He, you'd want him to uh, get up for that and head, head that away. Um, but yeah, I mean, we conceded uh, from set piece against Bournemouth and then again against uh, Sporting. So a bit unusual. We haven't the past last season, we didn't really concede any goals from, from a set piece. So it's a bit unusual that we've been conceding uh, the, the, the last couple of games. So as Dan said, we need, we need to tighten up at the back uh, when we've got set pieces. Can, can you compare like for like when you're looking at comparing two different keepers and two different styles? And obviously the the quality difference between Ramsdale and Turner, forget about like me thinking who's the better. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, clearly, Ramsdale's looking for golden glove and, and, and so on. And Turner's not playing as much. So can you compare that? I think it's just to do with confidence as well. When I mean, he's so much more commanding in the box, uh, Ramsdale. And um, like Turner, he plays once every one month and... Yeah, it's just it's a difficult job being the second second keeper because um, you don't get too many chances, and when you've when you've got a chance, um, you just have to, to make no mistakes, and it's it's quite easy to make mistakes as a goalkeeper. So it's it's a difficult job, but yeah, I think he should have been more commanding uh, in the box for for that set piece. Trevor, I'm going to come to you on the the, the third the, the third goal of the game. It's just after halftime. We came close just before halftime. Um, we had one that uh, goal line technology ruled out. Um, the ball went probably halfway over the line, um, but it it was a good save by the the sporting keeper just to keep it in. Uh, this one here is Turner again, but on this occasion, I don't think. And you're on mute still, Trev. But I don't think you can really say that um, that uh, Turner done a huge amount wrong uh, in the sense that I don't think he could have done anything else with an instinctive save. But uh, Trev, talk to me through about this one. Look right. Look, I've I've got a bit. I've got a bit of me beer, a bit of me bonnet about this, right? Because Turner Turner's a young kid learning the game. His, his appearances are still in uh, single figures, yeah. And you can blame him for the first goal. I sort of blame him for the first goal. No problem with us blaming him for the goal and saying that he could have done better. Although I think the defenders could have also done better because it was a free header. Um. <clears throat> But what I won't have and what I, what I would always stand up against is taking it too far. You know, there was like videos and memes and Mickey takes taking it out of, of Turner. And, and if you're an Arsenal fan and you do that, do you think that helps him? Do you think it helps him? Because these players see social media. They're on social media. So Turner's made an error. The second one wasn't an error. He's got down and he, he, he palmed it out. But Turner's made an error. He's fully expecting us to, to, to go on social media the following day and say, yeah, Turner made an error there. He's a bit crap. Needs to pull his socks up. You know, needs to start learning. Brilliant. But don't take it too far. Don't go putting videos on with him looking the clown and all that because that ain't going to help him. And as an Arsenal fan, I want to help the team. You know what I mean? That's my point of view anyway. 
No, I get, I get that. Um, Dan, uh, do you have anything to add on what you thought of Turner's in particular first-hand performance? Because in the second half, he, he did improve. He did make some good saves. Um, what, what was your thoughts of his performance overall? And the defence as well, because Kivior, for the first goal, you know, he did duck out of, out of it. And why did he duck out? Did he get a call? Clearly, he didn't get a call. So... Yeah, this was going to be my point. I actually don't think Turner had a bad game. And I, I don't really see that he made a mistake, if I'm totally honest. Um, I, like yourself at the start, criticised him, didn't think he was good enough. But you know what? Since pre-season, I think most games that he's played, he's played very, very well and he's made some good saves. He's kept clean sheets when he's come in at times. He's um, that, that first goal from the set piece, I don't think that's his error. I think if you're playing Gabriel and um, Partey in that team, I don't think we can see that goal. I think it's more down to Kivior and um, Jorginho being in those roles that the Partey and um, Gabriel normally are. So I don't really see that as an error. I think he's unlucky where he pushes the ball out for the second one. That does happen at times with keepers. You know, we saw it with Leno, <laughs> uh, you know, in the Fulham game, and and you see it at times where keepers push the ball out, and it does sometimes drop to people's feet. So I think it's a bit unfair to criticise him, um, especially when he's not play behind our back sort of four and then midfielder is our sort so, of so, so is that an error by Arteta then to a certain degree to blood Kivyar um, and having Turner on with Turner having l- l- lack of experience uh, it, with first team would have been better to bring Kivyar into a game where um, Ramsdale was in the back then I mean in isolation it's better to bring one player into the normal 11 because they'll fit into the the whole team, but how, how many games would you then have to play to rotate the squad? So it's never going to happen that way. I think when you've got the squad, you have to rotate them. The Europa League is going to be where we rotate them because our priority is clearly the Premier League. I was surprised that Kivior played. I thought Holding would play, um, but no no sort of issues with it with the team being rotated. That could have been down to a bit of sickness and stuff like that. Just picking up on one of the comments in there, um, Ben put in the chat, which was this one here that you just put up a second ago, uh, Trev, uh, which is Ramsdale made a mistake on Sunday, which we'll talk about. Um, the clearance of the fan sang his name and social media. That's social media for you. Um, we're not digging out um, uh, Turner in any way. I'm, I'm just... I'm not. You know, I, no, clearly. Um, but I, I've sit here and just question certain parts of the game and ask your opinions on it. Personally, I still think that he he was poorly positioned for the first goal. Um, I said about Kivior not coming for it. Second goal, as we said, um, he cleared it. I don't like keepers. Didn't like Leno parrying onto the penalty spot. But I don't think he could have done anything else because the way the ball came at him, he just instinctively put his hands out and saved that ball. Um, and he was unlucky that it went straight to Paulinho, who, you know, in between two of our defenders and Paulinho was there straight in the back of the net. Um, the third goal, Tre- uh, Dan, do you want to talk about the third goal, which was, um, well, actually, first of all, before we do that, Martinelli had a great run. And I think that deserves a mention, Dan. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you about this one and then I'll play while you're talking about that, go into the the um, 2-2, the equaliser from Shaka. Yeah, it was a great run, to be honest with you. I um, I fully expected him in the state to bury it. You know, I think he just takes one too many touches to go around the keeper probably doesn't see how quick the player is closing him down. But that's a, I mean, I don't want to compare him too many times to other people, but that was a Messi-esque type run. And um, it's not the first time he's done it, obviously, at at Stamford Bridge as well, where he scored the goal. And the the lad's got uh, a good dribble in him. Villa Park. Sorry? At Villa Park as well. Well, yeah. 
bit easier when there's no keeper there. But yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I'll give him that one. I'll give him that one. But yeah, the, the lad's got ability. And um, when when he runs centrally, he's a different player to when he runs down the wing. And he's very, very capable of, of being a, a wide man that stays out on the touchline. And obviously he plays that role when Zinchenko's in, in, um, in midfield, when he drops into midfield. But what we've seen a lot lately is when the likes of Trossard comes in, or another similar type player, even with Jesus, he does move more centrally and his runs are directed more towards goal as opposed to out wide. And the, um, he scores more goals. And he's um, he's got a lot of goals in him that he can bring to the team. He could easily be a 15-20 goal man a season. Um, same as Saka on the other side. Hmm. And the, the, the goal that uh, came from... Uh, 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 yeah, from this uh, really fortunate deflection because I think the ball that Jack was putting across would have taken about three men out between him and the corner flag. What do you reckon there, Dan? Yeah. Was that officially given as an own goal? Yes. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. I thought it must have done. Um, well, as they say, if you don't shoot, you don't score. So um, sometimes you do have to take a bit of a speculative effort and Jack has definitely got a good a good shot in him. Um, credit to, to Jack, to be honest. I didn't even realise, and this shows how far he's come, I didn't realise he was captain for that game. And I think, you know, a couple of years ago, if he'd been put captain, everyone would have uh, been up in arms. And I don't think people barely realised he was captain. I, I did take note of that at the start um, and I put it on the notes, uh, Granit Xhaka captain. But also, I think that's his second or third time since um, the, the, the thing with Palace many, many, many moons ago, which uh, we all agree he's uh, made up from. Um, uh, I think that's the second or third time. And he's, he's deputy captain. Uh, behind um, be, behind Odegaard, uh, Trev. Looking at the stats of this game, we we did control the game. We had more shots overall on and uh, off target, on target. We equaled them possession wise. Uh, you know, the, the stats say that we we controlled the game. Uh, it was a good um, a good uh, draw, a good European tie for a neutral to watch. For me to watch, I found it awfully painful because I was watching all you guys and and uh, thinking that I could have been there, should have been there, and so on. But we control the game and we take it back to the Emirates. It it felt like we controlled the game for large periods, Fergus, to be honest, when I was there. It it did feel that way. And that's what gives me a little bit more confidence for coming back for the to the Emirates. You know, I think that we've we've changed, we've got it within us to progress to the next round comfortably. Just in that point that Dan made about the Martinelli run is interesting because that defender who put the tackle in at the end. He came from absolutely nowhere. The pace he showed was unbelievable. He came from 50 yards back and then just appeared and made the tackle. So all credit where it's due, but it was a great feeling when he was running with that ball, wasn't it? Go on, go on, go on, Gabby, go on, Gabby, go on, Gabby. Go on. Oh, God, he's so close, you know. But, yeah, sorry, folks, I drift, mate, as I always do drift. But, yeah, I felt that we controlled a lot of the game, uh, apart from one or two little periods. I thought maybe that the Portuguese, the Sporting Lisbon players maybe felt the fans missing. I don't know, because they, they were nowhere near as loud as they could be. But I do, it does make me feel pretty confident that we should we should bring them back to the Emirates and, and, and progress. Yeah, I think a home, a home advantage, the home support that's been in the Emirates over the last 18 months or so has been outstanding. And I think that should be enough, as you say, to get us across the line. Um, I'll go around now since we're talking about Thursday um, and, and this game 
what are you hoping for Thursday then, Trev? If you were to pick a score line now, and how much would you change the lineup between now and Thursday, or between last Thursday and this Thursday? Well, I think we've got to remember we've got Palace on Sunday, and as we progress through the league season, Fergie, it becomes more and more important to to, to keep winning games in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine we'll. I would imagine I wouldn't be upset if we saw a team a team similar to what we saw in the first league, Fergus. Um, and and we win it by. I don't think we'll win it by a mile. I think probably the odd goal, a one nil, would do. You know, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see the same of a same or very similar team uh, start that played in the first leg, mate. Okay, Alex, would you like to say uh, see Jesus start and maybe get a stronger start to this game, get a couple of goals in the bag, and then then make some changes. Yeah, I think I'd, maybe I'd want to see him like for the last 20, 20 odd minutes, um, and then I'd like to see Saka get a rest as well because he's playing every game and he just he's just starting to look tired. He looked very tired against Sporting, I thought, and he was kind of limping as well at the end. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we'll be able to rest him, um, and hopefully Smith Rowe is ready to play from uh, in the starting lineup soon. I'd love to see him play soon, um, starting. And yeah, then Nielsen and of course Jorginho has to play. Um, but yeah, I think we'll we'll be able to beat them with a similar team uh, to what we played in in Sporting in Lisbon. And what score are you going for? Um, I'll go for a, a two nil. Okay, so if you get that as three out of three, so the drinks are on you when you come over here yeah, for the Brighton game. Definitely. <laughs> I got Dan, to start putting your bits in. Yeah, uh, Dan. Um, what your what's your thoughts on Thursday? How much would you change it, and, and etc.? I've got a feeling that it'll go slightly stronger, and I think he would have gone stronger in Sporting had there not been a bit of an illness throughout the camp. So I think that sort Agreed. of twisted his arm a little. I think what's clear with Arteta is the Europa League. He will still go strong. He'll still target it. He wants to win. You know, winning breeds confidence, but he won't take risks. And I think if anyone is slightly on the edge. He won't start them for you know any illness and that sort of thing. So I think with Jesus, I'd probably give him half an hour. Um, I'd like to see his minutes increase, but I certainly wouldn't be starting him yet. Would like to see Saka get a rest, as Alex said. Other than that, I'd play a very, very strong team. I think I'd probably switch the likes of Partey with Jorginho, Saka if we could. Other than that, I don't think I've really changed much. I think it'd be nice to see Tierney play because I think he deserves a game. Um, score? Well, my recent predictions have been awful, so um, whatever I say, don't put a bet on it. But I'm gonna, I'd say 2 1 Arsenal. Okay, I'm, I'm gone 2 0 as well as Alex. He's been right the last couple of times, so I've been right at least once. So, jumping on Alex's predictions. No, You're no, not no. I, 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 I was going 2 0 anyway. Go on, go on, Dan. You're going to say something? Well, oh, you two best, best buds over there, copying each other's score, but. Um, I feel like Sporting played at the top of their game and I feel like we sort of reached second gear and I feel like they didn't have much further to go, but we have. And I think that's what will see us through, even if there's no real changes in the team. Okay, we've got some predictions in the chat. Uh, Trevor popped those up. I was, uh, I'm going to play a little video. It's a combination of, uh, it's North London forever and a combination of in Portugal and leading up to the Fulham game because we're going to do the Fulham game now here. Have a look at this.
Uh, yeah, um, nice little video showing a bit of um, bit of the sporting trip and a bit of the, the lead up and throughout the, the Fulham game. A point to make on the, um, uh, the the sporting game: Sporting will be without a few players, I believe. I don't know exactly who they are. Alex mentioned in in our internal chat before we went, um, missing yeah. key players, missing for the uh, the game. Yeah, especially like the captain Coates, who's been their captain for. He was the captain when we played them in two thousand and eighteen, so he's a very important player. And then one of the key midfielders as well, um, the Japanese guy. Um, they're, they're both going to miss the game because uh, they got a yellow card. So I think that's worth mentioning as well. They'll they'll probably miss them a lot. We saw Fulham how much they missed uh, their midfielder, uh, Joao Polina. So that that could make a difference as well. Yeah, should should do. Uh, so we're on to Fulham uh, at the Craven Cottage on Sunday. Um, lots of the guys, include Ben in the chat, they all took the, 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 there was a couple of boats going down the Thames. And as we've done a little video clip as we we're walking through the, the park before and we could hear them. And you can see uh, on one of the boats there, uh, that was, uh, I don't know, there was one run by Red Action. There was one run by another another an, another uh, lot. And uh, they were very boisterous and very noisy. Uh, I didn't go on one because I expected it was going to be very bloody cold as well. But we had a nice walk through the park. Uh, it's a really nice walk up to Craven Cottage. Um, and then uh, like this is where they, the uh, home team are welcomed. And a strange thing, Trev, is uh, this um, neutral zone now i've never been to a place like this bar when i go to rugby because that's what i felt really much very much like going to a rugby uh, stadium going to, to craven cottage um talk to us about this neutral end well there is i mean although the, the arsenal fans are there in the section there's basically no segregation because you can walk around anywhere if you wanted to and fulham fans uh, are all their hospitality is well known to be all right you know so it makes for a it actually makes for a great relaxed atmosphere, doesn't it? You know, it was nice. And uh, them Arsenal fans, um, God, it, I don't think they get better, but they keep it up every game now. I watched the full... Have you watched the full game back, boys? I watched the full game back on the telly. And all you heard was Arsenal fans from start to finish. Start to finish was all, we, all you could hear was the Arsenal fans. Um, fantastic day out. A great little stadium with good company. And a great result. What more can you ask for as an Arsenal fan? I'm done. That's it. Dan, uh, you're welcome to Craven Cottage for a two o'clock kickoff. What did you make of Craven Cottage? I, I like the small grounds like that, the old-fashioned grounds. And I think we all did the same thing, take a picture of the cottage in the corner. And yeah, it's that. there you go. Just on cue, like we rehearsed it. But um, <laughs> yeah, good. It, I, I like those sort of grounds. Um, and it would be a shame because more and more of those are going to be sort of knocked down and rebuilt or adapted and changed. So a bit of a shame, but nice to see it while it's uh, close to what its uh, original form was quite a few years ago. But um, well, this, this, this stand here, you can, if you can see all that brown, that brown is wood. This is purely a wooden seat. The, the, the media are just in that... On, to that in the in between those middle those two uh posts uh, where Fulham FC is and and it's like a wooden sort of teacher's desk sort of area it re we thought we thought Goodison Park felt old uh, I, I imagine that stand felt a lot lot older Dan that one yeah and then obviously complete contrast to the new stand directly opposite um there as well so the new yeah. but yeah um nice stroll in the park as you said um someone needs to buy a Fergus a belt because Call the lad wears his trousers low. He really does. He's like watching one of the teenagers nowadays stroll through the park with a little bit of a limp and baggy trousers. 
And I, I've got a little uh, man bag that goes across here like that, you know. And I wear my hood up, in it, in it. Trevor's face, Trevor's face. Trevor, it was good. It was good meeting some good company. We met with Jamie and his uh, son Kieran as well. Um, uh, but, but the, um, the, the, the pictures came released of what the Arsenal squad have done inside the dressing room. So the picture with like unity signs, very Ted Lasso uh, uh, sort of thing. And we saw some of this on the on the um, documentary. They, they, they personalised the away dressing room. There's Arsenal logos. They brought the clock in there. And there's even on Twitter uh, that um, they're holding replica clock, iconic clock um, from the clock end. And it's all part of making it feel more like uh, less of a strange environment. What's your thoughts on that, Trev? We're top of the league. Do it every week. Do whatever you want, you know? <laughs> We've all, yeah. we've we've all seen the series now from last year of of what how how Mikel Arteta motivates the players. Um, last year he it, it, it faded away. This year it won't fade away. I'm sure because he, he does something different every week. I reckon. And it, and if he gets results, good on him. Good on the players. Did you see um Ramsdale six pack in that picture? By the way, he's well cut. That boy, you know. He's that was Zinchenko, I think so. Was it Zinchenko? Oh, all right then. It was Zinchenko, not right. It's my glasses. They're out, not not working properly. But no, Ferg, in all seriousness, mate, my manager, our manager, the main man, Arteta, is obviously motivating that team to win games and win more games and he can do whatever he wants, mate. Keep doing it. Um, Alex, um, let's have a look at this uh, lineup then. Um, so we started with Ramsdale and Gold. Well, what what you'd expect? Ramsdale and Gold, Saliba, Gabriel Zinchenko, Party, Odegaard, Martelli, Saka, and a return to the squad after his injury uh, a couple of weeks back uh, was Trossard. I think we all thought that he was close and maybe would uh, make an appearance for the the Palace game, but not then. But on the bench, more importantly, we had Gabriel Jesus back. On the bench, what was um, what was your thoughts of the lineup? I was very surprised Trossard was starting because um, he wasn't even in the squad for the Sporting Lisbon game, and uh, the reports I heard was that he was wasn't likely to feature until after the international break. So I was quite surprised he was even in the starting lineup. Um, but yeah, he he didn't look injured at all uh, as we saw in the game, and then yeah, just very strong bench. Um, over the moon to see Jesus back in the squad. Um, and yeah, it was just so good to see him back on the pitch again. I'm sure we'll we'll speak about that later. What's that? Uh, Arnie said that was... Trev not- with the six-pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Trev, you didn't realise that uh, your video was still on when you did, when you um, flashed your boobs to everybody, you remember? <laughs> Arnie, thanks, son. I'm going to you last week, Arnie, when you was at the game, mate. It'll be, there'll be another opportunity, I'm sure... I'd love to meet up with you, mate, and keep the compliments coming. This old guy loves it. <laughs> Dan, the bench finally looked uh, like a strong bench again. There's a, but how many, how many, more, how many pl- more players? Quite easy for me to say. Um, how many more players do you think we need to m- add a bit more depth and strength to compete at a higher level, um, winning the league and uh, the, the, the Champions League, etc.? I mean, if we want to compete on all fronts, I would still say six. And what? What? Six? Do you mean like five and one? Six? I do. I do. Six. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I, I agree, honestly Trent. really do believe that we need six. Now, 
this isn't and this can't be all in one go and it isn't going to be all in one go and it's likely to be over three seasons and it will be one or two in every year that really improves the quality of this squad but numbers wise i don't think there's an issue but i think if you want to really be able to rotate that team midweek and the weekend games and not really lower the quality of the squad like man city do i think we still need a bit more i think we need ultimately still another striker i think we still need another winger that can rotate with saka and give the boy a rest i think ultimately i've always said long term there'll be an upgrade on jacker i think Partey will still need another person that can come in for him because Jorginho won't be there for that many seasons i think we need another center back that will replace holding and then you're looking at a goalkeeper i still think long term so i think i think that's where the six are for me I think some of those will come out of the youth, and I, I I tend to agree with you because if you look at the current squad that we got, we've got fifteen, maybe eighteen top uh, top draw players. But if you need a squad of twenty twenty five, adding your six to the eighteen gives you up to twenty four plus a keeper. There, there's your twenty five. So I, I don't think you're far wrong, and I think you're also right in the sense that it won't be immediate. You're not going to get six players in the summer. You may get somebody come through the academy uh, and through Hale End, and then you'll get a couple of players naturally go off and, and come on. So you might get two or three in the summer and one in the in January. Yeah. Yeah. And I think neither, neither do you need them all in one go because, as we said, that also includes the likes of Jorginho getting a bit older in a few years' time and, and probably needing a change. And the same with the same with the likes of Xhaka. And, you know, I think Rob Holding will ultimately move on. And there, there's a few players like that. Eddie, I still think, don't want to get into debating Eddie, but I think in a few years, year or two, he could end up moving on. So I think those spots get vacated by people that vacate the squad as well. Mm. Alex, we're, you've got the likes of Balogun. That get, go on, Trev. You got. You... Have we finished talking about the game now? Then. No, no, no. We're just we, we got into the game. We're talking about the squad and the depth on it. Oh, so, right. Yeah. It, it just if you, of course, you didn't read what you just got in from work, so you didn't read how I'd done this. So that's fine. Uh, Alex um, Saka, um, thirty-six start in in all competitions yeah. since, uh, if you include the World Cup, huge amount of football. Um, you know, uh, um, that's a good yeah. shout, actually. Will, Pati- Will Patino replace Shaka? We'll talk about that afterwards. Um, but Saka, <laughs> fear of him getting overplayed. Uh, yet again, he performs game in, game out. He performed fantastic again uh, in this game, quiet in the last two be- previously. Yeah, I think, like Dan said, we need to be able to rotate our players without lowering the, the quality. And as it stands right now, we can't really rotate Saka without lowering the, the quality. So... That's definitely a spot we need to fill uh, for the summer. I don't think I can't really see Pepe coming back into the squad. Um, I don't know how about you guys, but no. Um, no. <laughs> so I think it's probably too early to bring someone up from the youth squad to like rotate with Saka. So I think we'll definitely need to get a quality uh, right winger in uh, for next season. But yeah, I think. It's it's worrying me a bit. Like he has to play so many games, Saka, and he gets so many knocks uh, every single game. So I just really hope he he gets through this season, and and then hopefully we'll we'll get someone who can uh, rotate with him next season. Trev, um, the first goal you were with me, and you you kept on saying you were nervous leading up to the the, the start of this game and right through the the the, the beginning of the game and and so on. The first goal that we saw uh, was um, ruled off for offside in the build up play. I'm going to play it now um, and just talk to us what what you how you felt and how you saw it from from inside the stadium and since when you look back on TV. Yeah, well, it had been coming, hadn't it? 
we, we, it, we, we'd had a quarter of an hour of Arsenal bossing the game and you just felt a goal was coming. And even when that one was disallowed, rightly disallowed, you still felt a goal would come soon after and, and it, it was proven to be the case. Um, it, I mean, that first half was special football. We, I never thought we looked like losing at all. I, I can't, I just, I'm, I'm actually like a bit lost for words because I can't believe that you, we, well, I didn't discuss it, we, but strengthening the squad this was discussed when we're top of the league and then we have a chance to win the Europa League. I don't want to think about strengthening the squad. When the season's over, when this, this season's over and what has happened will happen and what will be will be, and then we move into the, to the off-season, then I might think about strengthening the club. I can't think All I can think about is, is being in the Emirates Stadium when we play Wolverhampton Wanderers, lifting the Premier League trophy. I can't, I can't think outside that box. Um, we're all with you. We're all with you on that one, Trevor. All I was saying is, there was like when we talked about the game beforehand, and when we chatted on WhatsApp, one of the comments that Dan made was that we had a really strong bench uh, for the first time in a long time, with having Jesus and, and and the likes, and having Trossard on the pitch, and having Jorginho and so on, and and players of that quality on there. And I just expanded on that from the the, the comment that Dan had made, saying, you know. We said only a few podcasts back that the, that we aren't we don't have that depth maybe of City and we want to go on and win the league we want to compete in the Europa League and and next year in the Champions League how do we improve on that now I don't want to re- go back over what we've already said but that's why we came along said not taken away from the fact that we're all like you we want to win the, the Premier League we want to go as far as we can in the Europa League and yes the the football we're playing at the moment is fantastic I actually said to somebody today I think we're playing better football than Manchester City the people that all all um, you know, say the best team in the land. I think Arsenal Football Club at this moment in time, this season, at this point in the season, are now playing better football than any other team in this country. Right. So let's focus on that then. But but something something else, Trev. There, there's two points here, and I'd probably say I couldn't disagree more with what you said. The reason I'll say that you look at what we did in 2004 when we went unbeaten. And we didn't really strengthen the squad for various reasons. Liverpool didn't strengthen their squad. Teams then tail off. If we want to just turn from competing from the league for one season into competing for three, four and five seasons and not just competing in the league, but also the Champions League and not just the league in the Champions League, but also the Cups like City do, that's why I think we need the numbers. If you keep our starting 18 fit every game, every season, and don't need to rotate them, I think we're good enough. But that really doesn't happen because of injuries, because of fatigue, because of the number of games we're going to play. That's only going to get more with the new FIFA World Cup competition that are coming in, the expanded Champions League. That's only going to get worse. So I think that's the main reason why we need it. Um, yeah. And that's a conversation you have at the end of the season. Okay, okay, Trev, 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 haven't we always said, and and we'll go back onto the game now, but we've always said that the concept of this is four guys, or four Arsenal fans, down the pub, having a chat, talking football, and conversations go like that in the pub, and that's all this has done. Uh, To bring it back on track then, Dan, uh, goal number one. uh, Yeah, we want another goal, Trev, do you? (laughs) Gabrielle, Gabrielle, uh, a fantastic goal, as we talked about it uh, um, previously. Um, Another goal from a set piece, and deserve a goal from a really good performance. Dan, go through this one. Well, it's like we said earlier, just 
another um, another heady goal and similar goals, similar to what we conceded and scored against Sporting. Um, and have we finally got someone that can put a ball in the box from a corner in Trossard? Another thing that that lad can do. He's he's been an exceptional signing, and maybe that's another another part of his coaching of his armour. I agree with Dan. I can't believe I'm agreeing with Dan. Move on. It's because I make sense. <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, but um, Trev, pick up on that point then about Trosser being able to put a ball into the box. A few games ago, um, and only in recent games, I've seen Trosser doing an awful lot of short corners with Odegaard, and uh, we're saying he couldn't get past the first man. It's great to see in that Fulham game that he did, and he goes on to have even a better game, which we'll talk about. Um, but, you know, Trossard... Right. Listen, we're only, we're only seeing the start of Trossard as well. And and the corner, he did put in some excellent corners, uh, uh, better than I've seen all season, probably, against Fulham, which is great to see, you know. Um, and, and he's only going to get... He's, he's only going to get better with it as, as they get more understanding. And... Gabriel scoring that goal, right? There's two things, two things I took from the game, apart from obviously the easy win and, and, and the exhilaration of winning. Gabriel, you know, we're starting to I see someone mention it somewhere. I don't know if it was social media or whatever. Gabriel is such as becoming such an important part of the system we play in this team, right? Because not only does he play centre back, he plays right back when Zinchenko goes walk about and does his stuff in the middle of the field. He has to read that whole right, uh, excuse me, he has to read that whole left-hand side of the field, right, when Zinchenko is doing what we want him to do. And then he can also get forward and score a goal with a head. He, he, he really is becoming an important part of the team. He, he, he's, 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 he's a pleasure to watch him play. And his passion, him and Saliba, their passion Two centre halves at the back with that kind of passion is what we've missed. We can go back to the to the bold and Adams days, you know, mm. and, and Owen. We, we've we haven't had a, a centre half partnership with passion and and the will to win like that in a very long time. Uh, Alex, um, goal number two uh, was uh, Martinelli um, who scored that goal. I'll bring that up in a second. Um, so um, it was uh, led twenty three passes led to this game, and Trossard had moved out to the right channel. Um, Gabby uh, was central. G uh, Martinelli was central, uh, and a, a headed goal. Um, talk to me yeah. about what you thought about Trossard and 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 some of the, some of the stuff on there. Here's the goal. Yeah, like I think what we what we see with this goal is just um, a product of what Arteta has installed into the team, uh, which is uh, the way we play. We lure we lure the opponent in uh, to our uh, into our box, and then we saw Saliba play a perfect pass with his left foot out of pressure, and um, and then it ended up being Shaka with the ball carrying it up, uh, and it was a I think it was a five against four. And he plays it out to Trossard, who crosses it in for uh, Martinelli, who dinks it into the to the goal. Um, and it was just like a, a classic, uh, almost like a classic Arsenal goal this season. We've seen it so many times where, as I said, like we lure the opponents in and then play out of the pressure. Um, so yeah, it was just um, like a perfect team goal. And yeah, twenty three passes in the build up. Um, I was I was so chuffed seeing that goal go in. 
Dan, every player in the squad, uh, on the team, on the pitch, not the whole squad, not they didn't come off the bench, uh, but a- a- every player on the pitch um, touched that ball in that build-up. Um, Trossard, in particular, um, talk to me about the, the way he can interchange into different positions and play like left, right, fake number nine, ten. Yeah, well, for, firstly, it's great to, great to see team goals like that because that, that's always been my worry. This team can counter very, very good, but breaking down teams and, and being patient. That's a sign of what top, top sides do. And I think they are they are starting to do that. But one thing with the goal that I noticed is that's, was it a left-footed cross from Trossard? And I think the corner was his right foot. And yeah, he he's very fake. two-footed, yeah. Yeah, he can fake and go both sides. And this is the difference between him and, I'm not going to compare him to Pepe, but like to Pepe. And the, the lad Pepe had ability, but he struggled to go onto his right foot. This lad can go both sides and people have to face him up completely differently than they would someone that they know can only go onto his left foot. So it, it just creates spaces for the team. And then just just the way he plays. Yeah, that's a spot on comment, by the way. A, a very good comment. But um, yeah, the way he, he plays in this team, there's another tactical tweak with Xhaka and the way he plays with Trossard in, in that when um, Jesus came in, we saw Xhaka push up and it was near enough Xhaka Erdegaard behind the striker. When Trossard plays, Trossard drops in and Jacker and Edgar both go a little bit wider. And then the wide men can actually make those diagonal runs in behind the back four more centrally. And it's it's just a completely different tactical tweak from what we were before, where Martin Lee's out on the touchline. And it's just he, he brings so much to our team in terms of ability, one, two touches, faking left, faking right. And he attracts people to him and he just leaves spaces for the team. Uh, an outstanding player, um, and uh, Trev, the, the, a couple of players that we were talking about while watching the game was uh, Ben White. Ben White, even from the early onset of the game, was having an outstanding game. And I think your words were uh, to me, Ferg, he's an outstanding player. He's such a quality player. We've got in Ben White, um, and another player who was like the the the. the Orchestra, uh, what's a, what's the guy? The conductor at an orchestra um, was uh, Martin Odegaard. He had a game. If Trossard didn't do as well as he did, for me, he's got to be up there probably as close for man of the match, Trev. Yeah, he has. Ben White is, for me, turning into one of these players that is he's is, 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 is being played in a position that wasn't his natural position and he's adapted to it. We're starting to see him make the odd overlap down the line now, but he's one of these players that just does the odd graft and you don't really notice him. But if you watch him, he works really hard for the team and he's a key part of our defence. As for Odegaard, mate, he just he just keeps keeps on improving, doesn't he? And, and in these games like where he gets that little bit more space, um, he's just phenomenal. He's just a phenomenal footballing talent. It, if if he gets a yard, you just don't know what he's going to do with it. He just he can he can do anything. He can turn and run. He can make a bit of space. He can chip a ball over the top. It's a pleasure to watch, you know. Um, and which which one's this? This is this it's, is what just exactly what you said. Odegaard, yeah, his third yeah. goal. Found a yard there, you know. And once again, look who's you know Trossard's out wide, and and the, the lad spoke about it just now, right? This. This and I think Dan used the words this Trossard Martinelli interchange of partnership is starting to look 
something very special. And as they're getting to know and read each other, and they won't need to look at each other, they'll know which way each other's going to go the more they play together. And it started to show against Fulham, you know. It really started to show against Fulham. And that was, and that's proven by the fact that Trossard was out wide for the for the three uh, assists and Martinelli was in the middle to score a goal. And then next time you look, they'd swap the other way around. It's exciting. It's, there's, ex, there's exciting things happening all over the park for the Arsenal. Whatever you, whatever position you look at on the field, you think, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And as for, um, we've not mentioned him yet, right? And, and it's a shame I've been working for, because I wanted to ask you if you could dig it out, mate. You know, I'm useless at these things. That that portion of play in the second half, that bit of play where um, Thomas Partey turned and left about three players running the wrong way. Oh, my I tried word. to look for it. Yeah. I tried oh to look for it, Trevor. I'll tell you what, you people watching, if you ain't watched the game yet, it's worth watching just for that bit of skill. It's making me smile now. He just turned these three full of players inside out in a, in a click of a finger. Wonderful. Well, look, there was an ooh and an ah on the stand as he done that like yeah. pirouette. It, um, yeah. it was around the centre circle sort of way. And everyone's got, oh, ah. Oh. It, it was almost as good as a goal watching it live. And when you watch it back on TV, it's even closer up. It's going to look fantastic. Yeah, it, it was. It was it was brilliant. I watched it. I found it on the telly. And I just then, I was I was rewinding it because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, it was, uh, it was wonderful. Oh, hang on. Yeah, I think I might have it. They're all good. Um, and Craig, got... Where have you sent it to? Where have you sent it to? Um, on Messenger. Messenger. Oh, no, that's not going to help me. Send it on WhatsApp, mate. I'll send it on. Uh, and... Let me see if I can get it. Sorry, sorry. Go on. Carry on talking a second, uh, Trev, and we'll um, try and get this up for you. No, I, I'm just going to keep on per talking about our players. And we bought uh, when we uh, someone else. We've got to give a mention. Reese Nelson. When he came on, he looked really busy, didn't he? He really, really did, yeah. and and the threats are coming off the bench as, as Dan and Alex said earlier. The bench looked really strong. When we're not carrying any injuries, the bench looks really strong. And during the summer, we might we might look to strengthen a little bit. You never know. <laughs> but this Wait season, for it. Wait for it. About that, Trev. I've just got to. We've just got to enjoy this moment, boys. We've waited too long for it. Don't let anything distract you from enjoying the moment every game. Every game as it comes, enjoy, you know. But some, you some there, you know yeah. Have I got a waffle on? Here, you talk now. No, no I haven't got a... What, what you've sent me is um, a Martinelli run, Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. So we'll, we'll try and find it. If we can find it before the end of the um, show, we'll bring it back up. Come on. Um, go on, Dan. Yeah, no, something I was going to say is you, you said, how good are they, Trev? Again, I think praise needs to go to Arteta because he's, the way he sets the team up sets them up to play as they are. And... The way football, well, he has changed football in the way that we used to watch it. The fullback yeah. positions, where we used to see the fullbacks overlapping and, and you'd have the winger and the fullback. And mm -hmm. then the opposing yeah. team defending would be winger fullback. And it would always be two on two. And he sets them up to make sure that Zinchenko comes inside and builds like a box with a four so we can dominate play. He has the three centre-backs or drop into centre-backs that are comfortable on the ball but are predominantly centre-backs. And he leaves the wingers isolated and he makes sure that there isn't an overlapping player anywhere near the winger. And I think one of the stats I saw the other day was our two wide men have the highest one-on-one -on -one situations 
yeah, they have yeah. the season out of all of the other players. And what he tries to do is he tries to get our winger and their fullback to be isolated one on one as much as possible because he's got full confidence that those guys will beat them and create space or create a scenario where we'll score. And it just shows how good how good they are and how good Arteta is setting the team up. Here's yeah. this clip then for you. Watch this. Oh, oh my lord. Look at him. Oh. oh my lord. See you later. You can't take the ball off him. He's just Look so confident. Cheerio. It looks so easy oh. as well. Three of them gone. Three of them gone just <laughs> like that. But you can't put pressure. Tommy Assey does well in there as well, but this is just yeah. this is just unreal. He's got well, two players on his back at him, and he just spins back and clears the ball into Ridiculous. the midfield. That Ridiculous. that's what we bought Thomas Thomas Party for. And you know what? It's probably been uh, I, I, I I I've seen probably five or six games of him being that brilliant. Um, but I think that's probably one of the best I've seen seen him play uh, at Fulham, and, and I think everybody played. And uh, credit goes out to. Um, we played the uh, we played the last goal. I think we did play the last goal, didn't we? This is yeah, we did play yeah, the Odegaard yeah. goal, uh, and and that led to um, uh, Trossard's um, the first Premier League, Premier League player in history to have a hat trick of assists in the first half in any away game. Uh, uh, the, the signing of uh, the January transfer window, people are saying on Talk Rubbish and Five Live and all the pundits. Um, and more and more of the pundits, um, Alex, are, are talking more and more about Arteta being the master and Arteta, uh, you know, silence and all the cric- critics uh, amongst the fan base, plus uh, in the, the wider uh, f- uh, football fraternity as well. Uh, yeah. Talk to us about Trossard and Arteta and the signing. Yeah, I think a couple of us w- were like, I wouldn't say disappointed, but a lot of us was hoping to get Mudrik in the in the January transfer window, and he did look very exciting. Um, so I think it was more we were disappointed not getting him uh, than getting Trossard. But he isn't like he wasn't like a flashy signing or anything. But he he's just the, like the plug and play signing, and he's just so clever. And it's been like that with all of our signings. It was like that with Odegaard. Some of us wanted Madison back then. Um, but we went and got Odegaard for half the price, maybe. And I think it's just like every time we make a signing, people question it. And it just turns out to be brilliant every single time. I can't remember the last time we've made a like a bad signing under Arteta. Um, they've just got it spot on with their transfer st- uh, strategy every time. And I like the way they, they deal with it as well, where they... Like they they make their price and they don't go over it. And we saw that with that with uh, with Mudrig as well. They won't go over their their like their evaluation of a of a player. So I think you see Chelsea just going crazy with their with their transfers. Um so I really like the way they, they go about it, uh, Edu and Arteta. Mm. I, I think I think it's the overall uh, finances around it as well because if you look at the Casado uh, deal, a lot of that was linked yeah. into whether uh, Villa if they were going to buy um, Guendouzi and there was a kickback on Guendouzi I believe in the the, the, the contract so we really got some money got to go towards Casado and it wouldn't have, obviously stage payments and so everything else it would have been like in this market workable. thirty million is is a bargain like. Oh Jesus, yeah, and and, yeah. and ten, twelve million for Jorginho. You know, yeah. what we pay for those two players together is unreal. Um, 
Dan, uh, Fulham offered nothing in that first half, and but in the second half they did come out with a bit more of a threat. Uh, they made Ramsdale make a few saves. Uh, there was even one which, to be honest, I, I missed at the time. I think because um, Trev was mentioned to me on the way back as walking through the park. Um, they got one that hit off the bar. Um, Fulham did offer a little bit more in that second half. Yeah, but I think credit to us. People have said um, the same when we beat Brentford earlier in the season, three nil. Um, you know, Brentford wasn't that good, or not many teams go there and and put that same performance in as we did against Fulham. Um, but we won't get the credit for that because uh, when we win, it's not down to us being good; it's down to the other team being poor. So uh, we'll let them we'll let them continue with their agenda, as you say. And uh, some of the some of the pundits are starting to turn, but there there's still a few that aren't. So. Never mind. But yeah, second half, I think Fulham were a bit better as teams that are 3-0 down have to come out. We dealt with it quite well, thought we were controlled, thought we were quite a mature side for a young side. And then when needed, Ramsdale, again, has been in very, very good form the last few games and pulls out saves when he needs to. And then when we absolutely have to, we get a bit of luck. And that's what champions need as well. Absolutely. absolutely. What's that? Most clean sheets in the Premier League. I didn't know that. Christ, we've got more and more stats coming out of this game. It, it's like it's like a stat zone. It's on how, how many um, away? How many away? Yeah. Okay, I don't oh, know the number, but our, our away... But probably more than home. Yeah, it's so. fantastic. Yeah, our, 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 away, our away record this season is better than our home record, and our home record is, is, is quite good. Uh, Trevor, mm. I think uh, we have to take our hats off to the manager, your manager that you said, but the manager, um, uh, Mikel Arteta, ha- our manager, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, in particular, claimed him as yours as well. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I know you yeah. do. <laughs> um, uh, he managed the game well with substitutions, and, and it was great to see Gabriel Jesus back. Jesus had been out for 13 games after picking up his injury in the World Cup. And interesting fact that came out of there is um, it's 13 games since he came, since he was out, and we've when he got injured just before the World Cup break, we were fifth in the league. Uh, sorry, we're first in the league with five points clear. When he comes back onto the pitch at 70 minutes against Fulham, we're five points clear and top of the league. Yeah. It's got to be credit to to one, how the the, the team, because of this, this superstar player that we had, uh, but how the rest of the team have pulled up and covered for him as well. And it was great to see him back. Yeah. It was wonderful. He got a wonderful reception, didn't he? He got an amazing reception. Um, and and in, in, as you say, it's all credit to Arteta, the fact that we, well, we, we haven't missed him, have we? As in a results on the field and league position sense, we've missed him as having that option. His energy, when he came on, you know, when he came on against Fulham, his energy levels were immediately right back up there. He was buzzing all over the field. And he's just a lovely lad to watch, isn't he? You know, I enjoy it very much. It's interesting to think, you know, um, I've got it in my head now. If Jesus is fit on Sunday, right, how can he drop Martinelli or Trossard? It's it's a great, it's a great problem to have. You know, it's a wonderful problem to have. But if Jesus is is training now this week after his comeback game against Fulham, and he has, say he has another twenty minutes against. Um, Port uh, Lisbon on Thursday night, and he's buzzing on Sunday, and he wants to play. What do you say to Trossard or Martinelli? What do you say to him? Uh, I don't know. Start don't with Rissi Saka. You what? 
Yeah, that, that's what right. He plays right wing as well, Jesus, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He did at Man City, yeah. I, I still maintain long term he'll be a player that will play up front and right wing and will rotate the squad. And there'll be four or five that rotate in those three positions, just like City did. See, I, I rate Saka so highly, Dan, right, that I, I want to see him play every game. If he can walk on the field, I want to see him play. Because even when he has a below average game, it's still a good game for me, looking, you know. And so I want to see Bukayo Saka on the field. And I, I understand about the burnout, I understand about the injuries, but it's a critical part of the season. I want to see that lad on the field. I want to see him... I want to see him playing every week if we can get him fit enough to play. I really like the point you made, Dan, about the wingers and isolating the wingers one-on-one -on -one against the defenders. I, I mentioned, oh, I, I looked at it last season, what, what was happening, and I think that's the one thing that Arteta has bought from City. The most standout thing that Arteta has bought to Arsenal is the way that City use their wingers, their, their Mareds and their Grealishes. You know, they try and get them isolated and they try and move into the space beyond the defenders. And uh, I, f I think that Arteta's got us playing similar to that at times. And it's wonderful to see. Having said that, it's now changed because we can cut inside and outside with the Trossard, Martinelli, Saka. Tro oh, I know. It's endless. The you, don't, you, don't, you don't want Trev. Jesus only scored four, uh, uh, four times uh, for Arsenal in the league. He's drawn five. blank 11 times. Isn't it uh, five? Uh, sorry, he scored only in four games. Yes, five goals sorry, oh, in four yeah. games. Um, um, but he's drawn blank in the past 11. But Arteta, and I think this is part of the reason why Zinchenko and Jesus were brought into the squad, like, because winning breeds winning. It's like success. Um, uh, what's your thoughts on, on, on that, Trev? And, and maybe is that what he's been doing behind the scenes while he's been training? Sort of positive attitude. Unlike his four his forebearers of, of Ozan and Aubameyang, who just down tools when they weren't getting what they wanted. Thank God we don't have to talk about them that lot that came previously anymore. Thank God there's other things in our heads now to distract us. But you've just thrown another another thought into the conundrum, Fergan. It's the right thing to say in that Jesus has scored less goals than most of our other forwards this season. Hmm. So, but, but, but he has such an effect on, on our team when he plays... Do you do you do you not play the goal scorer, or do you not play the bloke that might make our team score the goals? You know, it, like a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? I don't know, but uh, as I said just now, and I can't I can't reaffirm it enough. Right, it's a great position to be in for our football club. It's a position we ain't been in for years. We haven't had this choice for years, you know. And it's interesting. See, here we go now. Alan has just put a comment on there. His work rate, though, exa Alan's exactly right. His work rate is astonishing. So, you know, are the, do we need him there and just play one or two of the lads that scored more goals around him? It's a conundrum I can't work out, but it's a great, great problem to have. And I'm sure that Arteta knows what way he's heading. Well, it's the thing that we talked about with Eddie, as good as Eddie is in the box. Um, he doesn't offer what Saka offers. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, not Saka. Um, Jesus offers around the rest of the pitch. Um, let's talk about um, this chance that happened almost right in front of you, Dan. Um, Jesus nearly came back and oh. nearly scored. And oh. Oh. <laughs> Dan, it was right in front of you. Your flag was probably wafted up in the air and everything. So I'm talking <laughs> to it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think we we got to put it down to him being um, being rusty. But um, before we get to Jesus, I think Vieira. I think Vieira had a, a, a good um, a good cameo when he came on as well. And I think he's a player that's improving. So nice to have more players like that. But yeah, like a confident Jesus when he starts to bang in the goals, will bang them in more regularly. I think I'm quite confident in that. But how good would that have been in the stands to hear his uh, song even louder than it, it already was? Well, there, there was a new was song a as well, moment. wasn't it? We actually we heard we heard that in August. That was um, yes, we did beginning of the season. So it's not really a new song, but obviously never took off because um, we had another brilliant song that that Ben put together. So now now we've got two fantastic songs for for him. So we can we've got no excuses not to sing for him. Alex, you just sent me this little clip through of uh, Jesus's skills. I didn't read the tweet that came with it. I'm just going to play it and you can talk about it. So just let's add this to the stream. I don't know if you can hear it, but you'll be able to see enough. No, it was just it was just to see like the little bit of skill before the goal because it was just an amazing spin he did uh, to pass it off to Vieira. Uh, and Can you hear it or just, not? No, there's no there's no. Um, All right, keep talking. No sound. Uh, but yet yeah, that's just what he offers as well. His little trickery and he's got so many skills up his sleeve, um, and the the X factor as well. You never know what he what he's uh, what he's gonna do, and yeah, it's it's a lovely conundrum and. He's just got so much to offer, Jesus, with his work rate, and he just inflicts fear into the opponents and and their backline, especially, which um, you know helps other other players in our team um, perform. There, there it was. Yeah, that was just amazing. Yeah, unfor- unfortunately, he didn't finish it, but a good cameo by him as well, uh, Jesus. And he looks he looks sharp and he looks ready and. I can't wait to see the the documentary um, they made about him, which will be coming soon. Um, that'll be good to see. Yeah, that's the the Adidas one. That's that's coming yeah, soon. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know when, but we'll. Well, I'm sure we'll hear about it soon. Listen, uh, we win, uh, won the game three nil. Um, it was um, Arteta's one hundredth win, um, and also another record. Um, Arsenal, the first team English side in in English football, are. Uh, to, to win five consecutive London derbies away from home without conceding a goal and a, uh, a combined uh, goal aggregate of 11 nil. Um, it's, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing stats. The stats carry on um, uh, that we have Ramsdale uh, with a clean sheet. Uh, surely he's heading uh, the most number of clean sheets uh, in, in the league. Surely heading for Golden Glove. Um, and then we've got... Um, the football, uh, the London uh, Football Awards. We got Manager of the Year, Young Player of the Year, Goalkeeper of the Year, and Player of the Year. Trev, how proud of uh, are we as Arsenal fans seeing you know those four awards going to those great football players? Just, just wait. <laughs> right. Listen, right. We we've gone from being a laughing stock, right. Pundits laughed at us. Newspapers, television pundits, newspaper reporters used to look for the Arsenal because they could always find a story that would make people laugh, right? Up until quite recently. And now all of those newspapers, all of those soccer pundits, they're, they're, they're just full of praise and, and they're full of praise and they're predicting that we're going to do great things. And they don't do that, you know. They don't do that willy-nilly, these people. They have to be persuaded and their minds have to be changed. And 
and a lot of these newspaper reporters in, in particular are extremely intelligent people that know a lot about our football game. And to change the minds of them people and to get them looking at our great club and saying, yeah, they're back. They're on the way. This is exciting. The future's bright. That takes a lot. And and once again, we praise Arteta for that. And and, he's, and Edu and his backroom staff, right? It's it's wonderful it's just to see it, right? You pick up the newspaper or turn the telly on and it's Arsenal this, Arsenal that, Arsenal this. And it's all positives. No one's laughing at the Arsenal anymore. And I've waffled on that long. I've forgotten what the other half of the question was, Ferg. I'm it sorry. was just how proud are, proud are we? Like, you know, the, 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 the four players... Uh, like great player oh, for us, yeah, manager yeah. and players, and and, yeah. and I think you type of covered it. It's just it's really, it, it's just really yeah. good and to see the good news about Arsenal Football Club rather than the crap that we're hearing a season and a half ago when we lost five 0 at Man City and hadn't scored a goal after three games at bottom of the league. Ferg, just out of curiosity, what's the average age of those three players in that picture? It's cool. not a lot, is it? Uh, you know, 23, 20. I would say about probably 20, 23. 22, 23. And we've got about 23. Uh, Saka's 21, how, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. How old is Odegaard? 23, 24? Yeah. Wonderful. So I, I would say so. Yeah, it's a, we've got we've got the makings. I was talking to Mem, uh, who's been on the show before. I was talking to Mem in the week, and we're talking about um, the squad and the team and the performance and everything else. And he was convinced from the day of Arteta's appointment that he was the man to bring us greatness. And I, I said to him, look, I wasn't as convinced as he was. Uh, you know, I think everyone was a little bit nervous about inexperience, but, uh, you know, not like hashtag Arteta out and all that sort of stuff, but just sensibly questioning, you know, it wasn't, was it too much too soon for, for the guy and he had no track record. But Mem has maintained it. And, but even Mem is shocked by how quick it's come. He's he's about 18 months ahead of even Mem's anticipation. And with the way we are now, you know, and, and the young side that we've got, this is the basis of a team that can go on for four, five, six, seven years. Okay, with the changes, sorry, like with the changes, <laughs> with the changes and uh, with, with, with like, uh, you know, re reviving the, the, the squad. But also a, a huge point that people go on about this season um, is uh, Man City. The same, the same to us that we got a bit lucky. And I've even said it, like, you know, we, we've had a bit of fortune in that other teams haven't been performing as well. Liverpool aren't as good as they were. Spurs have gone back into their normal uh, normal lane. Uh, Chelsea are in turmoil. Newcastle are, are you know, uh, uh, worrisome, troublesome, new new kid on the block. But if you look at this stat here, which was Sky Sports were talking about a couple of days ago, um, only at this same point, um, the points that Man City are on versus the points after 27 games with the points that we're on, uh, in this season, they're on 21 points. At 21-22, uh, they're on 66 points and 62-57-65, respectively. They, they said on that stat there that that 21-22 with 66 points and the Liverpool 1920 uh, First Division champions were were the only two to be only two years where anybody was better than where we are at this point. So when people come along and say, oh, it's because Man City aren't, they're not really getting into the swing of things, uh, that Arsenal have got that little bit more lucky. Um, it, it's, it's, bullshit, it's the other teams, isn't it, Ferg? I it's do think Liverpool, that does help. It's the Liverpool and the Chelsea. Chelsea are 29 points behind us. They're having a, a like a ridiculously bad season but as you say like the stats prove they're not having a bad season city we're just having a really really good season and we're just 
uh, yeah, better than them at the moment. I know we've overrun and uh, we are going to go. Listen, the, the only thing I, I did want to say briefly, and uh, if you have to go, just let me know. But these these are our remaining fixtures. Um, Dan, where are the ones that worry you in there? It's April, is it? I, I think um, Liverpool away is going to be an absolutely huge, huge game for us because I expect us to go and beat Palace. I expect us to go and beat Leeds. But Liverpool away, if we win that game and we can, I think, quite easily also beat West Ham and, and Southampton, we can go into that City game with huge yeah. amount of confidence because of the, um, the gap that we've got to, to City at that point. Um, again, I think... Chelsea, we will uh, we'll be able to, to beat them at home. But those two games, Liverpool away, City away, are, are such a key key couple of games um, because of the the other games around them and the confidence that they would give to the other games as well. So um, City don't have that many that many difficult games. They've got Liverpool like we have. They've got to play us as well. Um, we've both got to play Brighton. I guess that you could argue they're they're similar run-ins. Although I think our tougher games are away from home. I think that probably makes a difference. Trev, anybody you fear in there? I, I know you've got to really say very few, but uh, and, and who do you think are the key games for for City? Um, do you know what, Ferg? I'm going to put a different twist on it, right, mate? Go on. I'm going to put a different twist on it because I, I, I've been doing it all season, so I'm going to stick with it. I don't want to look past Palace, right? I don't want to look past Palace. But what I will say is that I'm 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 pretty sure that Man City will at least draw one more game, right? And if Man City draw one more game, we can afford to lose two, right? Gives us a bit more breathing space. So from where I'm looking in, I'm very happy with what I see there. I look at the, the, the fixtures and we've got some challenges. City have got a slightly, slightly less challenge, I would say. But City will draw or lose at least one more game. And I think that gives us enough to go on and win the title. Please, God, let us do that. Because... Alex, um, we, we play Palace on, on Sunday. Uh, if we beat Palace, when we beat Palace, um, we go eight points clear. City don't play yeah. because um, West Ham, um, uh, the, the, the West Ham fixture is postponed. So they will have a tough fixture rammed in somewhere else when it's really chock-a-block with fixtures with Champions League and everything else that's going on. Uh, we've also got Europa League, hopefully, in between the West Ham, Southampton and before the Man City game is the quarterfinals. Um, so, you know, there, there, there are some banana skins for both sides. Definitely, yeah. I mean, we can go eight points clear, as you said, uh, when we win against Palace and then they play Liverpool and we play Leeds. I mean, we could potentially be 11 points clear on April the 1st. So, but yeah, I've, I'm with Trev on this one. Like, I find it difficult to, to look past Palace. I'm, it's just one game at a time for me at the moment. It's it's one of those seasons. Guys, we've really overdone it uh, tonight. We've gone on longer than we normally do. I've even got a message from Trev going, I'm hungry. No, you've already eaten. I'm still hungry. <laughs> I'll tell you why I, I messaged you, Ferg. I'll tell you why I messaged you because I was enjoying the conversation that much. I didn't see how long we'd been going tonight. And I thought, well, I know. well Ferg has missed the clock, you know. Um, I know you normally insist on about an hour, but no, I, I, we, ne I, we, ne we never do an hour though. We always end up no, about an hour and ten, an hour and fifteen. Yeah, but that, this is we, this see, this is another thing, right? 
we were doing this podcast a couple of years ago and struggling to find anything positive to say for more than about 20 minutes. Now we could probably go on for about three hours and we'd still be smiling, you know? Massive changes. I'll tell you what we'd like to do when the international break is coming up. Um, uh, maybe get some of the people in the chat. We'll do a link. We do a phone in uh, so that you can uh, call us. All you need to do is um, uh, when we're in, in the show, um, you will go to uh, gunsandyellowribbons.com and uh, forward slash show or else you just click on join the show on the top of the website. So have a look at that. Uh, and maybe you can come on for a couple of minutes and, and say what you think. If you're on your phone, make sure you've got earphones in. It just makes it easier for us. And your phone's on landscape uh, and the light's on on your face so we can see what you look like. Because we make sure Dan puts it behind him so that we don't have to see as much of his face because we have to see it a lot on match day. But um, yeah, maybe we can do that and um, uh, rotate some of us around and, and, and get different people in. Uh, it was good fun. We've done it um, nearly 25 episodes ago. We've done it the last time. Uh, and episode number 250, that will, uh, 251, that will be, uh, plus all the, the other stuff. Uh, Trev, thanks very much, mate. I will, are you down Thursday or is the train strike? So what, what are you doing, mate? Yeah, the trains have put a stop to me Thursday, but I will be there on Sunday. Okay, no worries. Dan, block five, block six, usual. Of course. And Ferg, we nearly went an hour and 20 minutes without you insulting me. How good was that? That's such a good run. And we also <laughs> nearly, went, we nearly went an hour and 20 minutes without me saying you little Irish leprechaun, but never mind. Um, <laughs> I do have a, I do have one final uh, comment to make, and I need to give someone an apology. Um, I bumped into Stuart McFarlane on the train. Oh, here we go. Stuart McFarlane on the train uh, on the way home from Fulham. And you know how bad I am with names? I called him Steve, and I'm very, very sorry. I know you're not Steve McFarlane, it's Stuart McFarlane. And, uh, yeah, I am uh, I will learn that one for future. Of Oops. course you did. Of course you did, Dan. I don't know why Steve was on my mind, and I called him Steve, and he walked past me. Who the hell is Steve? <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to get that clip up. You know you know that one with the old uh, meerkat god? Steve, 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 Steve Alan, Alan, Alan. <laughs> That's you, isn't it? <laughs> I, I had a, a couple, so, you know. I'm blaming Yeah, you. You hardly even touch the stuff. I'm on the hard stuff still. You know, so uh, I'll tell you what was good. Uh, that eight bells had draft um, Budvar, which is like alcohol, virtually alcohol free. So Whoa. it was going to felt like a real person drinking a beer. On that note. Tell you what was good. Beer in Lisbon at two euros for a full pint, a proper pint. Two pint, Trevor. Yeah. Uh, I think he went past two pints, don't you? <laughs> We're not allowed to say that on air. Alex, the missus watches. He never, I swear. I watched him the whole time. Yeah. 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 Through one eye. Right. On that note, you have been watching Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans, by Arsenal fans. If you like what we do, you know what to do. Click on the like, click on the bell for subscribe uh, so that you'll get a notification when we do this. We're mostly on YouTube now because uh, Facebook keep on just pulling down it for copyright. And I seem to get away with it a little bit more on YouTube. Thanks very much, everybody. Up the Arsenal. Fuck the Spurs. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.